Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. Coming up, a jobs report blowout. What does it mean for the Federal Reserve? And Bitcoin goes from a bear to a bull back to a bear. Insanity in the cryptocurrency world. Bringing the world to your ears. You're listening to The Wall Street Journal. Award-winning reporters. Original insights. Now, Money Beat. See if you can guess what I am now. Welcome to the Financial Food Fight. I am Paul Vigna, joined today by Barron's Jack Otter, my colleague on the Money Beat blog, Eric Holm, and, and uh, Market Watch, not Barron, Market Watch's Chuck Jaffe joining us remotely from the great city of Boston. Chuck, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Okay, so gentlemen, these are these these are the possible topics I'm going to throw out to you that we can talk about today, and I, I'm pulling a lot of this from uh, uh, Twitter moments because uh, that's, where, <laughs> that's where everyone gets all their news, right? Okay, we could talk about uh, oh, CC Sabathia opens up about alcoholism. Anybody? Anybody? Or we could talk about the uh, the new Japanese Star Wars trailer. I think that's very interesting. Coldplay's final album revealed. Or, uh, oh, let's see, there was something uh, today, I think it was called the, the Jobs Report. I think there was is that jobs? actually a Twitter no. mention thing? No, the Jobs no. Report is nowhere. It's nowhere. On Twitter. It's not trending. Uh, but it is, of course. It was very, trending on my Twitter. It was trending on your Twitter. It was trending on your timeline. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. Is where it was trending. Right. So uh, this morning, U.S. government reports jobs created in October. The monthly report, the queen mother of data points, and it was a blowout headline number, at least headline number. 271,000. Everyone thought it'd be 183, much higher than people thought. Has this completely re-scrambled our opinion of the economy, gentlemen? That's the question I'm throwing out there. Uh, not at all, but I'm saying it means that Janet has the excuse she needs and will raise interest rates one quarter of a point in December. One quarter of a point. So 25 basis points. For the Yeah, the fancy people say right, basis right. points, but you know. Yeah. I'm a man of the people, so yeah. I'll say a quarter. Uh, so you don't think this changes anything? You don't think this changes anything fundamentally about where the economy is right now? Well, I, I think we were probably too pessimistic with the lousy numbers we saw in August and September, even though every single summer for the last five years we've seen lousy August mm -hmm. and September numbers subsequently revised upwards. So uh, we shouldn't have been too depressed then. We shouldn't get too excited now. I don't think yeah. we're going to have 300,000 every month for the next five years. Uh, so I think this means we're on this slow, boring, new normal recovery trajectory, and, uh, and, and it's about time to raise rates. Yeah. I mean, is there anyone in the room? Let's get the sense of the room here. Is there anyone in the room that doesn't think that they'll raise rates now in December? I'm still not sure they're going to raise rates in December. Why, why wouldn't they then? Because I don't think they necessarily want to ruin any potential chance of a Santa Claus rally or any of that other stuff. And there's still a lot of fear among Fed folks that, you know, raise the rate, crack the market. And while I don't think that raising the rate by 25 basis points would do that, I think they're still – I mean, they've waited so long. They've waited too long in all of this. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that they're going to say, hey, let's rush and see this happen just because there's one number. I totally would have bought that argument. I think that's why they didn't do it in September is because the market just wasn't quite 100 percent sure yeah. about what was going to happen. But now, just in the aftermath of this jobs report, everyone immediately said right. December. And it's going to gonna be December. December. And when you get to the first week of December yeah. and we find out that with the late Thanksgiving retail sales numbers are crappy – which they're going to be, yeah. 
<laughs> tell, tell me how you feel then. I, I'll uh, tell you. Because, because that number on top of this number means that, that they can waive the game. They don't, well, have, to, they don't have, right. have to raise rates in December. And, and look at it this way. You're going to get one more jobs report. And say, like, Jack, I think you were kind of getting at some of this was noise. Some of this was, a, a, you know, a, a rebound off of too low numbers. Maybe these numbers come down a little bit. Maybe everything sort of, you know, evens out a little bit. You'll get one more jobs report in December. Say inflation still looks lousy, which is the other half of the Fed's mandate. Uh, inflation and inflation does look lousy. It's, it's not going anywhere, really. What I think is very interesting is that the Fed actually has kind of set themselves up very well. They have the market believing that they are going to raise interest rates. If they choose not to, the market will love them. The market will be so happy about it. Most people don't really understand the difference anyhow. And to be really, to be frank, there will be no difference in most people's lives. I mean, a quarter, a quarter of a, ba- a quarter base, 25 basis points is not going to make a change in anybody's lives. They have set the market up to expect December. There could be an interest rate hike. If they don't do it, the market will love them. And Chuck Jaffe, you talk about that Santa Claus rally, that will feed right into it. No one. And the market is going to complain if the Fed doesn't raise rates. And if inflation perks up and if they have to, well, they have greased the wheels for that one, too. And if they hike, everyone expects it. So I actually think not a little bit surprisingly, uh, the Fed has actually kind of put themselves in a very good position to go either way on this. I don't think they put themselves in a good position. I think they've fallen into a fortunate position. Right, right. And, of course, we'll have to see what that December number is. If it's 121, then uh uh-oh. Right. But, as, you know, really what you want to look for is for the trend to remain the same. And I think this puts us at something like 187 is the moving average. Yeah. So I think you want to look above or below that will be the indicator. Right. And to bring it back to your point, though, Eric, this morning, immediately <laughs> after that headline number hit, people That's people may not have, have believed before that this was going right. to be a live meeting, but right. they do now. Everybody Everybody said, that's it, December's baked, we're getting a hike. And you saw it in the market. The stocks plummeted, bonds got hammered. Right. Although, Gold has been hammered for days be, now. to be fair, mm-hmm. the stocks didn't really plummet. They did True. fall. Yeah. And I actually thought that that relatively muted reaction was a sign that they, the market may be ready. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you still, uh, you know, Dow was down 50, 60, 80, 19, 20. I mean, it's been in the red, but not deeply right, in the right, red. Right, right, right. And, and look, part of that is we're talking about a meeting that is still more than five weeks that's away. True, that's true. They have and the a, point about an, an, another jobs report is very right. well taken. From the, the, the market has a lot of time to still make hay in this zero interest rate environment. And remember, if the market doesn't like good news, we're still in this upside down world. Right. At some point, the market is going to have to decide that good news is good. Uh, let's hope that comes soon. And let's hope we get the good news. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, the other thing about it is, and uh, oh my God, I just totally blanked out on what I was going to say. Eric Holm, save me, buddy. Save in. Jump in. Jump in. I was gonna Wages. Say, I was going to say something Wages. smart. Wages. Wages. That was the other interesting component, right? Because that's the one that Janet Yellen has really been banging the drum about for a long time. It's a big part of her dashboard. It is 2.5% year-over-year wage growth. I know. And, and Jack, you're making a fit. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what do we make of that number? Well, it's it's a lot better than anything below 2.5 right. and you know crucially wages are the single f- most important number when it comes to inflation. That's what it's saying 70% of inflation as uh, people economists say. So, yeah, you want to see 2.5 and more, but compared to what we've had, that's a good thing. Yeah. What what do you think, Chuck? 
you know, I think, again, wages have been the, – the wages number is important, but I think ultimately right now with how consumer-driven the economy has been, retail sales at the end of the year is going to be really important. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you and think, that's the one that nobody's been talking about right now. And you think they're going to stink? I think they're going to suck, absolutely. Really? <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't quite express my my how bad I think they're going to be this year. Now, is that just your is that your intuition, or are you looking at something that is no, telling think, you that? I think some of it's calendar effects. Yeah, you have a very late Thanksgiving, so you have a short holiday season, mm-hmm. and that already has shown up. And you have things like some of the holidays falling on weekends, which have been bad for restaurants, mm-hmm. like you know Halloween being on a Saturday is terrible for a lot of the restaurant chains and all that other sort of stuff. So you start hmm. your holiday shopping season with that, and you've got the wrong holiday schedule. You've got Christmas Eve being a Friday. That's not what you want from the last-minute sales perspective. Yeah. Things along those lines are bad. Yeah, I'll tell you, that the the holidays, the way they're falling this year, it's really wrecking my odds of going to Giant Games. <laughs> <laughs> are you assuming they're still going to – I guess we're not to the playoffs by that point, so maybe they are still playing. Hey, man. Yeah, no, right, exactly. The regular season <laughs> will be winding down. Uh, speaking of winding down, let's take a little break. I am going to go back onto Twitter and see what's trending, and we'll find another topic to talk about. They're here. All new podcasts from the Wall Street Journal, including – Wealth Wednesday. This is Veronica Dagger. And now, how to check out a charity before you give. Beware of confusing names. A charity may sound familiar to you, but it may be a scam that has a name similar to a legitimate charity. Do your research so your money goes to the right place. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now – Money beat. Welcome back, folks. Paul Vigna, Jack Otter, Eric Holm, and Chuck Jaffe. And, and gentlemen, these are your uh, Twitter Twitter moment topics. Let's talk about some of these. Uh, oh, Call of Duty Black Ops 3 has been released. Uh, I never saw uh, Call of Duty 1 or 2, but hey, whatever. I think that's um, a game, not a movie. Is it? <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, the holiday ad that makes Brits weep. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Dancing in the car. Mm. Or, uh, oh, actually, this isn't even on Twitter moments, but uh, I'm going to use it because that's what we're going to talk about. Hey, uh, that thing they call Bitcoin. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys have heard of that or seen it. That thing they call Bitcoin uh, it moved a little bit this week in, in the markets. It moved a lot. <laughs> it moved a lot. Yeah. yeah. Someone should write a book on that. Thing. Somebody should write a book on that thing. Uh, Twitter really been quiet most of this year. This past week and, and really most of the last three weeks has been moving up, but this past week went absolutely off the charts again. It went from, it, it literally went from a bear market to a bull market and back to a bear market inside of about three days. I mean, just huge moves. Got everyone's attention again. Now everyone's all into Bitcoin again. Everyone's talking about it. Uh, Chuck, some people made some good money off this, actually, if they plant timed it right, right? Well, yeah. If you go back, leading into today, over the last week, the Bitcoin ETF, the GBTC, the Bitcoin Investment Trust, which is a way to own Bitcoin without doing it yourself, right. basically, uh, it was up 60% in the last week. It's up almost 80% in the last month. But the flip side of this, and I know you're going to disagree with me because you've got the book and everything else, is like if you wanted to prove that Bitcoin's not yet a currency, that would kind of be it. What, right. you don't like I a mean, currency that skyrockets and then plummets? Right, you don't right. think that's think a good, stable last, way to have a currency? Yeah. 
think about the last month, and if you said, okay, what currency could I invest in by comparison? Like, go get an ETF of something else that would be volatile, and that was really in the headlines a lot more than Bitcoin. It would, of course, be China and the yuan. <laughs> and China hasn't, for the entire year, the, the best yuan ETF hasn't moved as much as Bitcoin moved on any day in the last couple of weeks. Right. Actually, I, I don't I don't disagree with you, you Chuck. I mean, I know, yeah, okay, everybody, if you didn't know, I wrote a book about Bitcoin. You should go out and buy Age it on Amazon. Age of cryptocurrency uh, available on but, Amazon. But, you know, look, I, I'm a reporter. I'm a journalist. I'm looking at this ob- objectively. I, I agree with you. I think Bitcoin actually, when it was boring all year, was making a much better case for itself as a stable platform than it has in the last week. I mean, the moves you're seeing, they're exciting, they're interesting. As, as journalists, we love to write about it because it's fun and it's sexy. You know? But, yeah, if you're looking at this fundamentally, I mean, this is not what you want to well, sell to people as something they should be adopting. And especially since, and correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, but a lot of Bitcoin people aren't really sure what's happening, right? There's, there's doesn't right. seem to be like a fundamental thing driving this move. So, right. I mean, what are people saying is well, happening? Th- you know, what's happening is, you, you know, the, the thing of it is people are trying to find reasons that right. aren't the actual reason. <laughs> and the actual reason is that this is still an extremely thin market. It's bigger than it was two years ago, but it's still a very thin market. And this is still a highly speculative asset that people love to play with. This is not this is not the New York Stock Exchange where you have trading hours, you have circuit breakers, you have a closing bell, you have an opening bell, you have reasons, you you have ways to sort of arrest the slide if it goes into a problem. Bitcoin is 24/7 a bunch of exchanges all over the world. You can trade it, you can arbitrage it, you can game, you can do anything with Bitcoin. This is a trader's dream. They love it. They absolutely love it. Is it anything besides a trader's thing? I mean, it has no earnings, has no dividend, not really a currency. I, what, what do you do with it, Paul? Well, uh, you know, one thing you do is you, you build an ETF and you try to sell that, like Chuck, you're talking about. Uh, the other thing is it's what's interesting about it is that it, it has characteristics of a currency. It has characteristics of a commodity, but it isn't really either of those things. It's really just software. It's a protocol. It's a way to to build platforms where you and I and other people can exchange things. Uh, it could be, it could simply be currency, exchanging values like that. Uh, you can do contract. I mean, there's a lot of different things that things that can be built on top of it. And I'm not going to go down into that rabbit hole because it's just and, not worth it. And ultimately, the question is, would you be better off investing in Bitcoin or should you just take your money to FanDuel? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know. Because that is a game of skill. That is, well, supposedly. Of, supposedly. No, but look, Chuck, you're right. I mean, for normal people, I don't think this is a very safe investment. I mean, this is not something that the average person should be putting their money in, unless it's, again, like any speculative thing. It is money you are completely prepared to lose and you don't care about. And then the other thing is that, as Paul has convinced me over the last couple of years, there is a lot of potential in the underlying technology, the blockchain, even though you may not buy the story that Bitcoin will become sure. some sort of currency that's accepted outside of you know random transactions between drug dealers or, or whatever. <laughs> um, so, uh, but the th- I'm not actually convinced that, that the currency will rise over time if that potential comes to pass even. 
Are you, Paul? I mean, like that's what that's. I'm not sure how you value an individual Bitcoin based on that potential. Right. Well, there's pers- no PE ratio or whatever. You know. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I, I will say I said I was an objective journalist before, and I am. But I do admit I have a sort of soft spot in my my heart for Bitcoin. I think it's it's interesting concept in and of itself. I don't know if it's going to make it. I I, I can see. Scenarios where it does, I can see scenarios where it doesn't. I can see scenarios where the technology is taken and applied in different cases, and different things are built on it that look like Bitcoin but aren't. And I think you'll probably have a lot of that, and that's what Wall Street is all hopped up on. And, and that's why I mean, really, and that's why on, yeah. to, to bring you back in, Chuck. That's why you have these ETF products now. That's why you're starting to people are trying to make an investment case for it. Yep. Oh, and and. Do I believe that there will at some point be a cryptocurrency and probably in our lifetimes that is widely accepted? Yeah, I've actually gotten to where I believe it. I'm just not sure. Uh, I'm, call, I'm was just, that call? Was that your call waiting, Chuck? Uh, was that the White House it, popping in? Might, it might have been. It might have been the Bitcoin conspiracy coming to get me. But <laughs> or the guys who hacked Mt. Gox. Under any circumstances, I, I do... I, I do think we're going to see some form of cryptocurrency, and I think the technology has certainly advanced that, and you've got a lot of things that are here. But there are over 150 cryptocurrencies right now. The fact is most people only know about Bitcoin or maybe one or two others. Right. And I think it's sort of like go back to the days when we started with the computer. If you went back to the days of the computer, it was going to be Wang Labs and Prime Computer. They were going to be the ones, because they were the first things that a lot of people knew about before they ever heard about Microsoft and some others. Yeah. And I'm just not sure that Bitcoin's going to be the one. So that's a separate issue. I do think the technology is fascinating, and it advances a lot of things, and probably makes it that, yes, in our lifetime and before uh, I'm somebody who's in my age level is way too old to enjoy it, I think it's entirely possible we have real cryptocurrencies that are functioning as true cryptocurrencies with a worldwide acceptance. I, d- I wouldn't rule that out, but yeah. I don't know that it'll be Bitcoin that's the one. So right. here's my question for you guys. Like the Luddite who looked at the Wang computer and didn't know that what that would do, what <laughs> problem can cryptocurrency solve for me? I'm not a drug dealer. I don't see what it's going to do for me. Uh, International uh, money d- transfer. D- d- Tanya, producer Tanya, how much time do we have? <laughs> two minutes. Two minutes? Okay, two minutes. All right, this is the quick two-minute answer. Uh, for you, Jack Otter, as a citizen of the, the first world in a developed company in the United States, you have access to every financial service and product you could possibly want. For you as an individual, there is not a very strong case for using Bitcoin over any other currency or a credit card or whatever. I mean, it just isn't. For a corporation, there are advantages. Uh, for securities firms, and this is what they're trying to sell, there are possibly big advantages in terms of debt issuance in terms of settlement, in terms of clearing. There's, there are ways that you can make the settlement process go from being a three-day process where there's a lot of counterparty risk and a lot of money has to be set aside to, to back that to something that is done automatically between two parties. No counterparty risk. No capital has to be put up. Uh, if you're in the developing world, if you are somebody who has a mobile phone but not necessarily access to financial products... There is a big case for that because Bitcoin being borderless, being digitized, being able to go anywhere, the Internet goes. If you have a mobile phone and you can get access to Bitcoin, you can get access to financial products. And that's what people are trying to build. You're seeing that in a lot of places. So the the the, the case for it, it depends on where you're sitting and who you are, really. But there there are some legitimate uses of it. Now, it's going to take a long time to build this all out. I mean, 
you know, Chuck, you talk about Wang computers and you talk about the computer revolution that took place over a long time. The Internet, the, the evolution of the Internet took place over a long time. It, this is not going to be a six month, one year, two year thing. Gotcha. Excellent. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, hey, yeah. anything time I can help, Chuck. <laughs> Uh, I think that's that's about it, right? Time went a little bit. We're going to wrap it up. Everyone, thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it. We are going to uh, take a break for the well for the whole weekend. Go Giants. Go anyone else who uh, likes a football team that isn't named the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we will see you next week. Take care. This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash WSJ.